Assuming Zach Calzada wins the Auburn quarterback job, what should we expect from him this season? Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. For the first time in a few weeks, it's a Ferg Friday. How dare they schedule the NBA draft when we're supposed to record Ferg Friday? What is going on? Uh, man, thank you for your time. As always, of course, Justin Ferguson with the Auburn Observer. Jay Ferg, you had an outstanding piece, an outstanding newsletter that went out earlier this week about Zach Calzada, and you kind of uh, took a deep dive into some of his numbers post, yep. post-Alabama post game, or I guess Alabama game and on. Really, really solid numbers from the guy. Yeah, and, you know, I can't take full credit for it. Uh, this was actually prompted uh, by an internet friend of mine, Seth Galita, who works at uh, Pro Football Focus, he uh he watched every Power Five quarterback this offseason, just kind of watched tape of him and evaluate yeah. him. I'm sure he's doing like a rankings or something like that as we get closer to the season. And he said that Calzado was kind of in his tier two of like right behind the top four quarterbacks that he liked. Um, and it kind of took me by surprise. And yeah. in a follow-up tweet, he was like, Yeah, from the Alabama game on, he was really, really impressive. Um, and so you know, I think it was just kind of the narrative. And look, I mean, I, I I believe that as much as anybody, and still do to an extent, it was the, you know, hey, Zach Calzada was 13th of 14th in a lot of categories in SEC quarterbacks this past year. He's coming into Auburn. Like, he's going to have to be better for mm-hmm. Auburn to take that step forward. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that once he got that, past that initial kind of run of, you know, getting thrown into the fire, and he had one really good game against Alabama, afterwards, he was a really good quarterback. And uh, the numbers really bear it out. Yeah, right. I mean, whenever a backup is put into a situation, everybody just thinks, oh, the backup is so much worse than the starter. And in some cases, that's true. But the whole offense is planned to be built around who the starter is. And the backup's not getting those valuable reps leading into the season. And so that's what happened with Calzada. And after a few weeks into it, you saw his numbers... Go up. I mean, I think we saw a similar thing at Auburn when Bo Nix went down and TJ Finley was in. It's like, well, this offense isn't built for TJ Finley. TJ Finley hasn't been right. taking all of these reps. I mean, is that something you're looking at with this? And is that something that you kind of thought when you were watching and looking at all these numbers from Calzada to work on this piece? Yeah, no, I, I was I was kind of looking at it like, okay, well, how good was that Calzada to end the season last year? And is that more of the quarterback that he is coming in Auburn than it is, you know, the whole season. Because the whole season numbers aren't great. Yeah. They are, a, like, a step above what they had with TJ Finley, significantly lower than what they had with what Auburn had with Bo Nix. I think his EPA is just, like, a little bit above uh, Finley. So, uh, that was one of those things. But you go back and look, those first few starts that he had were really, really rough. Um, and things were not going well at all. He got a lot of criticism from the Texas a and fan base. And then one night he plays Alabama against Alabama and has the game of his life. And then from then on, it wasn't perfect, but you know he was a much different quarterback. He had several really really good games. The only two losses he had after that, or yeah, from the rest of the night, is after he got injured against Auburn with that non-throwing shoulder, and then they were playing on the road against Ole Miss and LSU. Both of those games were close, 
uh, losses. So, like, you put it all together, uh, I think I think Seth said he was, like, the fifth or sixth highest graded quarterback from that point on in the Power Five last season. So, again, not Heisman winning numbers, but when you look at his when you look at him just throwing the football, um, it was pre- it was really efficient. And these are numbers that if you look at, you know, from the Alabama game on, yards per attempt, something you know, it's over seven. Auburn hasn't Auburn didn't get that with Bo. They haven't had that since Jarrett Stidham. Um, his adjusted completion percentage is fantastic because Texas A&M had a really bad drop problem last year. One of uh, he he was affected by drops more than any quarterback in the SEC last season. Oh wow. Um, and uh, yeah, like uh, I think we all remember um, the the Auburn A and M game where A and M had a lot of drops in that game. That was kind of the norm for him, sure. right? Like it wasn't like just this one off. Um, so his his adjusted completion percentage was about where Nix's was last season, and we were coming off a year where you know Bo Nix had one of his most had his most accurate, most efficient season yet at Auburn. So again, like it's a new system, it's a new it's new players. It's you know you gotta you gotta adjust to all that, but what we saw from Zach Calzada towards the end of the season at Texas A&M, if he could be that same quarterback, if he was the job at Auburn, if he could be that same quarterback, that I mean, that's a key piece to having an offense that takes a step forward and ultimately Auburn being a better football team this year. An argument has come up consistently, and I've probably bought into it a little bit. I don't know if this is fair. I want your thoughts on it. Where you know, the frustrations that Bo Nix brought to the offense as far as the ups and downs, you never really knew what version and how efficient you were going to get when you right. looked at Bo Nix from week to week. That whoever wins the starting job, especially assuming if it's Calzada, that the floor will be more consistent. Do you think that's fair? Is that something that you've seen post that Alabama game? I think so, and I think like... In a way, TJ Finley has some of that to him. Now, I know Finley's numbers accuracy wise aren't as good, but I think about being thrown into the fire last season. Right. You know, he didn't turn the ball over. <laughs> like, he, he, he mm-hmm. did a good job of that. So, like, there's a level of that. Like, I do think, like, whoever wins the starting job, you can probably expect a higher or more consistent floor, with the exception of Robbie Ashford. And not because I'm predicting anything with Robbie Ashford. It's just we just don't know. We just don't know what he what, what he could look like um, because he, he hasn't done it yet at the college level. But yeah, I, I think I think Calzada brings a little bit of steadiness to it, um, a little bit more. Uh, you know, he, he had more interceptions last season, but I believe it was SEC Statcat uh, who put pointed out um, in, in their numbers uh, that he had fewer turnover worthy plays. So that's just kind of a subjective metric where it's like, hey, you threw the ball that probably should have been picked off, or that that did not. That was that was really tough. Nick's had more of those throws than Calzada did. I think Nick's just got lucky sure. uh, a lot more times because turnovers are a function of luck in college football. Totally. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that I think you could see that kind of stability there. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of like, can you have that ceiling? Because when Nick's was healthy last season, you know, and go back to October, that was he was playing some really good football, and like that that's a that's a level that isn't mind blowing by any by any means. But, like, if Auburn could get back to that level and do it more consistently, get it for a whole season, you feel a whole lot better about that offense. When he was healthy, uh, you know, Auburn was a completely different offense, completely different team. All right, so what has to happen for Zach Calzada to not win the quarterback job this fall? We jump into that in just a moment. But first, today's show is brought to you by our friends at Bet Bet BetOnline is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. 
They are your continued source for all sports wagering information, including live betting, which is really big with Major League Baseball right now, esports, and scores from all over the place. Of course, also, I talk about this every time, futures for college football and for NFL, win totals, how far do you think a team can go, who can win the national championship, all kinds of stuff over at BetOnline. BetOnline is where the game starts. Justin Ferguson, before we go into, you know, different guys' path to, you know, winning the quarterback job, what all is going on at the Auburn Observer? Yeah, so uh, you have the Calzada story this week. I also did a fun little research project on Tuesday where, you know, Auburn had such a successful year in athletics with uh, seven teams either winning an SEC title or going deep in the postseason, obviously with baseball just wrapping up. Sure. How did that compare all time? Uh, there's an argument he made. This is probably the best year Auburn athletics has had in terms of wide ranging success in at least 20 years. Um, and maybe ever depending on your definition of success. So we looked at all that, um, had a fun podcast on Thursday with my buddy Tyson Alger, uh, who covers Oregon. We talked Bonix and then the other side of the trade between, uh, Auburn and Oregon. We talked Robbie Ashford, DJ James. And Jason Jones also got into some fun stuff about, you know, Auburn going to the West Coast here in basketball and football. Yeah. Um, got a pretty good perspective on everything going on out there. And then uh, mail, by the time you listen to this, mail back up, back in its normal slot on Friday morning. So AuburnObserver.com, it's $60 a month or $60 a year to sign up and get involved. And uh, we're just going to get more and more stuff going now that it's July. You know, SEC Media Day is coming up. And right. in a month, we'll be talking about actual football again. Thank goodness. I can't wait for that to get yeah. here. And a big topic of that will be the quarterback job. Who's going to win the starting quarterback position for the Auburn Tigers? At, at this point, I'm I'm dead set on it being Zach Calzada, Jay Ferg. Um, what has to happen in your mind for Calzada to not be Auburn's starter? This is going to sound simple, and it's going to sound very coach-speaky, but like I, I do think it's true because I go back to the last time Auburn had a real quarterback battle with Bo Nix. Uh, and, and Malik Willis and, and Joey Gatewood, what won that job when things look kind of even, when nobody really has like a clear-cut advantage? What wins that job is when they go out there at practice and when they go to those, fir- those first, you know, fall scrimmages, what, who is going, like, who is going to be the quarterback where the offense looks the best with them on the field, right? And that's, that's it. That is, that is it. When it is down to, you're not banking on anybody's pre- previous experience with your team. You're not necessarily like kind of even in terms of like your talent level. Well, you know, I think Ashford was a higher rated recruit coming out of out of high school, but like it's not like he's like this, you know, five star. You know, against a, a bunch of guys who were three stars. Sure. I, I it's really going to come down to who runs this offense better and who the coaching staff has more confidence in heading into that first game because. I think the setup of that first game, those first two games, is going to make it so that if it's not 100% locked in, boom, this is our guy, period, there's going to be some flexibility. There's going to be some wiggle room to play some other guys. So I think at that point, it's like, you know, if you pick somebody uh, because they're the best quarterback right now, you know, for during fall camp, that I don't think you're married to it, right? I don't think yeah. you're, I don't think you're locked in. Going off of that, though. Zach Calzada makes the most sense because a he was the first transfer they went out and got right. He's got the most experience as a starter in the SEC, even though it is just one year. Sure. Um, and I, I think 
he's a really, really good fit for what they want to do. I'd be interested to see what a guy like Robbie Ashford would be like in this offense. Mm-hmm. Although I think it would be a lot of fun. You know, we we haven't seen it yet. We we don't know. We outside of a spring game, we we don't know what that looks like. So, I, for Calzada, it's just going to be like, hey, take that experience that you have and just put it into motion. You didn't get much of a chance to do that in the spring because you were limited. But these summer months, these very very important summer months, um, he's been full go, and that's that's huge for for Auburn. Do you think there's any chance that there's a role for multiple quarterbacks with a starting team? The starting offense here. I, I I don't think it's necessarily Hartson's MO or it hasn't been in the past to use yeah. multiple guys like in roles. If it's a situation where it's like, hey, the first couple of games, we have a guy, but we want to get the, this other guy some snaps or, or some looks, I wouldn't be surprised at that. Um, you know, this was like the whole thing last season where it was like, oh, well, maybe Demetrius Davis could have like a role as like what they did, um, you know, at Boise State uh with with one of their quarterbacks uh montel cozart um doesn't really seem like that i don't think Ashford's really that kind of guy i know he's he's obviously really athletic and and um you know can move well yeah um is a good runner uh the best running ability of anybody in that group but i I don't know if it's necessarily like you have one of those kind of guys where it's like a role player type of guy um he's a really good athlete though so i just i i i think they're gonna try to have a pecking order and then that pecking order might shift a little bit depending on what happens in the first months of the season. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, this offense and this style seems to just be more fit to, like, here's our guy, and, you know, if we put anybody else in there, you're the guy. How do you think he handles announcing it? Do you think he'll do anything um, officially in the fall, or do you think they'll just the storylines will just kind of leak out of camp and people will write about like, all right, it's probably going to be so-and-so, or do you think they'll do anything, any kind of official announcement at a press conference or something? Yeah, it's tough. I, I think, um, I think that there's a chance that after that first scrimmage, he said, you know, they're going to start narrowing it down after that. Um, hmm. I mean, that's a really good question because like, this is kind of uncharted territory, right? And that might be, it might be something where, honestly, you might have just given me an idea for a story. Um, Sweet. Like, go back to what he did at Boise State when he made those announcements. Like, what is that like? Because, again, like, last year with Bo Nix, it was like, that's who you got. You inherited Bo Nix. So, yeah. yeah and, like, I, you brought in TJ Finley last year, and it's like, okay, good. I think everybody was like, good, competition. That's fantastic. That's great. Right. But and I don't I, think I, they ever did any kind of announcement like, yes, this is still no. Bo Nix's job. And I think if, uh, yeah, I think if, if you're leaving it open and you're leaving it flexible to maybe play some more guys those first couple of games, I don't know if you necessarily want to go out and do this just big, you know, blowout announcement. Like, this is our guy. And then, like, by week three against Penn State, it's like, it's oh, it's another guy right. because the other guy looked better. And it's like, I don't know if you necessarily want to do that either. So it is kind of uncharted territory. So I, that, might, that might dig into a little bit of research there. Yeah. No, I look forward to that. I look forward to that for sure. I, I just think – it is so different because this is the first time at Auburn in a while where it's like, we legitimately don't know. And I guess wrong with, yeah. with the Bo Nix thing I, uh, versus Joey Gatewood. I thought Joey Gatewood was going to win that battle, but right. Um, most people thought Bo Nix would, but like th- this is really the first one where it's like, we legitimately don't know. Yeah. I mean, 15 or was it 16 was such a mess. Um, Mm-hmm. when everybody played it was I, I go back to in 13 it was like nick marshall 
it was like I know they brought him in from JUCO, but it wasn't like a sure thing that he was going to be the guy either. So yeah, you know, it's 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 been a minute since there's been mystery like this. Yeah, it's fun though. I, I think it makes it interesting. Um, how many questions do you think he's asked at media days about that? I mean, it's got to be. Uh, it's just going to be relentless, bit. right? Yeah, I think it's going to be a decent. And I, I'm interested to see who they end up sending to media days. I think they've got their guys. Um, it won't be anybody in the quarterback room, but like. Um, I jokingly brought up it. with uh, with Lance earlier this week. It'd be hilarious if the three guys they took were the three quarterbacks. Just like, <laughs> yeah, Harson just kind of saying, "All right, SEC, here you go." <laughs> yeah, somebody did that before. Um, really, not too long ago, and it wasn't three guys. It was they had two quarterbacks in a battle, and they brought both of them. I can't remember who it was. That's awesome. But I do remember. I do remember a team bringing multiple quarterbacks who were in a battle. Not, and it wasn't in the not. Like, it wasn't way long time ago either. Interesting. I, I'm going to look into that. Yeah, I think my prediction, I think, was um, Owen Papo. He went last year. I don't know why he wouldn't this year. Nick Brahms and John Samuel Shanker were my three. I think, I think that's I think that's a good that's a good mix to if, have. If you want to um, pull Brahms out and put Derek Hall, I'm Derek cool with Hall. it. That would, that would have been my pick. You could put Derek Hall. Wouldn't be blown away if they, if, if they brought Tank just because Tank. He's so good. He's so special. That's probably it for him, and, yeah. and he is he is your guy. Yeah, it's like you're going to want to come in and, like, you know, Tank and Derek Hall are your best bets to be first-team All-SEC, mm-hmm. and so you want to bring them out there and kind of flex that a little bit. And then Shanker just makes a ton of sense just because they've talked about him as such a team leader, and, you know, the, the snap count <laughs> last year showed it. It's still maybe one of the craziest stats from last season for Auburn is that he was on the field more than any other offensive player besides like two linemen yeah no he, he he had an incredible year there's no question about it all right what is auburn's biggest sec game this season which one is the most important contest on the season for the tigers we touch on that in just a moment right here on locked on auburn want to encourage folks to check out the locked on auburn discord the uh link to that will be in the episode description or the show summary down below justin ferguson the biggest sec game on Auburn's schedule is blank. Ooh, this is tough because you can go in a number of different directions yeah, you can. here. Um, you know, I, I I have two in my head, and I, you know, it might be it might be LSU. That that's my answer uh, is LSU. That's a if you want to go again. So I'll let you I'll let you talk about why it's LSU for you. The other one I thought about was Ole Miss, and here's why. Okay. Ole Miss is on the road. Ole Miss is going to be a very good team. Ole Miss is a team you have beaten the last couple of years, last right. few years. Um, it comes right after Georgia. And look, I don't think a lot of people are expecting Auburn to beat Georgia in Athens. It's just that it's not something that people are going to predict to happen. Sure. But if you lose in Athens, and then you lose in Oxford, then you have an off week where it could get pretty heated. You know, you come back home and play Arkansas, which Arkansas will be a better team this year. Um, but I think that's one, depending on how that first month goes, if you lose back to back like that, it could get, it could get a little toasty. It could get a little toasty and, and, and the, and the narrative and the vibes could, could shift drastically. Yeah. Um, it, it makes that Arkansas game crucial. If you yeah. lose, if you lose that now right. on the flip side, yep. if you get through that first month of the season and you beat you know, uh, you you beat you win most of those games. So you beat a Penn State, you beat a LSU, um, 
and you drop that game to Georgia, like you, most people would expect, you can bounce back. Boom! Right after that, totally. go to Ole Miss, get a good road win against a really good team, and then you go into an off week, hit the second half of the season with a lot of vigor. So I think that's got the most kind of hinge point, kind of uh, you know th- effect going on there. But LSU is also a great, a great answer because depending on what happens against Penn State and Missouri, that one could be really, really big. No, you're absolutely right. And I think it's LSU because regardless of what happens to Penn State, if you lose that one, but you can come out the next week and beat LSU or two weeks later and beat LSU. Yeah, Missouri's that, first, yeah, and then it's LSU. That's huge. And then then all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, you're 2-0 in SEC play going into Athens. Yep. I think that's huge. Well, on the flip side, if you lose Penn State and LSU, the fan base is going to be all over the place. There, yep. there, there's going to be a lot especially of, going into going into Georgia no question which has not which has not been a good place for Auburn in a very long time you're right you're absolutely right so LSU is up there for me another one I considered Jay Ferg was A&M just mm-hmm. because it's at home and I think that's the biggest winnable game on your schedule yes um, it's, I, the, I, it's the best matchup you get at home depending on how you feel about how lsu goes this year but yeah some sec games for sure yeah yeah and i i think a&m i think a&m would be better than lsu so maybe that's why i'm saying yeah. that um but that that's a big one and especially if if things aren't going well at that point of the season yeah you're, if you're brian harston you win that one and a&m's you know a top 15 team or whatever it may be enough maybe enough to save you depending on what else happens it would be a big big kind of momentum shifter because you play Western Kentucky the next week at home and then yep. it's the Iron Bowl. So like that could be kind of a late se- if you're going to have a late season surge, it might be that one. Um so yeah, that's a, that's a game where if Auburn's good, like that's the thing with Auburn, a good Auburn team at home is hard to beat. That's always been their MO. Um so if they're at that point, you know, by the end of the year, by that by November, we will know how good this Auburn football team is for sure. Uh so yeah, that's a that's an important one. Yeah, but I think it's I think it's either the LSU or the Ole Miss one. I think the LSU sets up a lot, and I think Ole Miss could be like the real like, oh, this could get sideways on you. Or okay, you get a win, it could be a reset button that you need. Hit the second half of the season with some momentum. You get that off week um, before you play Arkansas. I think that would be big. Yeah, no, I'm there with you. And if you want to make the argu- similar argument to Arkansas, like winning. Playing against Arkansas at home and that that being a big one, I, I'm cool with that too. I'm totally cool with that. I, I they're think all pretty important. <laughs> they are, especially with with everything at stake right now. So there's right. no question about it. Justin Ferguson with the Auburn Observer. Tell folks how they can check out everything that you have going on. One more time, real quick for me. Yeah, AuburnObserver.com. Uh, it's six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year. You got the Calzada piece this week. You got the the successful years for Auburn athletics piece. Uh, the podcast with my buddy Tyson with Auburn and Oregon uh, mailbag today. Uh, man, there's a ton of stuff up, up there uh, stuff. on the site. Yeah. Check it out. It's uh, auburnobserver.com. And if you're watching this right now, um, I apologize for looking like I was about to cry during that second segment. My, my uh, sinuses are killing me. So uh, thank you for bearing with me. If you had to get that visual image today, I yeah. was not getting emotional about uh, Zach Calzada. Yeah. No, I've had similar things happen this week as well, so I I totally get it. I totally get it. Thank you so much to Justin Ferguson. Thank you so much to you for uh, following along everything happening this week. We'll be back on Monday to recap everything that happened over the weekend. This has been Locked on Auburn.